Welcome everybody. I'm happy to see some familiar faces and uh, some new faces as well. Thanks for joining uh, this panel after a couple of days of intense conferences, uh, panels, discussion and fair program. Of course, um, this panel um, is called uh, Design on Demand and we talked about uh, production on demand and the need of local production and the uh, revival of craftsmanship and heritage techniques. Uh, and today we want to talk with some um, inspiring players from the industry. We want to talk about digital tools that can support designers to um, develop their products on demand and also uh, roll out their designs in production in small quantities with short lead times And um, what I learned uh, this season, uh, especially at Neonid, is that designers today uh, can access a broad range of tools, of uh, beautiful fabrics, of beautiful textures, different technologies from new fibers, new materials, new processes. So that is the big change today, and this all is um, speed up uh, by digitization. And I'm really happy to have uh, here with me Marita Jablonski from Good Garment Collective, Anna Niestreu from Monster Patterns, and Sander Lossi from House of You. And before we start the discussion, um, I would like to ask every one of you to quickly present what you do, uh, introduce your service and probably also give us a statement uh, what drives you. Marita, you go first. Um, so, yeah, hi everyone. Um, my name is Marita Jablonski. I'm the CEO of Good Garment Collective. And I would like to introduce you to our um, sourcing uh, tool, digital sourcing tool, Interloom. And uh, before I do that, I will give you a short uh, yeah, context about Good Garment Collective. We are a, a service provider for the fashion industry and we um, offer um, pattern making, sourcing, uh, production management as well as quality control for companies who would like to produce garments. Um, and during our daily work, we um, experienced that when it comes to sustainable clothing, what is a key challenge is sourcing the right materials. And we, that was our driver or our motivation to build this um, sourcing tool in Saloom. So, um, when you look at Interloom, uh, when you go to the webpage, you will see two main pages. One is the, the Interloom Marketplace. On the Interloom Marketplace, you can find fabric and trims, uh, sustainable fabric and trims, and you can search them by filter, such as raw material or minimum order quantity or certificates such as the GOT certificate. Once you've clicked these filters, you... Uh, The, the fabrics uh, are shown, which, uh, which are suiting your, your um, searching filter. And then you can contact the, you can make a request 
to the manufacturer directly. For that, you just have to reg register as a B2B or B2C uh, user, and then um, your request goes directly to the manufacturer, and the man when the manufacturer answers, it goes directly to your email. So we just are the entrance point and, or the matchmaking tool. Um, the communication itself then is between you and the manufacturer. So this should make the, the sourcing process much easier when you want to source sustainable fabrics. Um, we also have on that page a fiber catalog. This is more like an informative uh, page where you can inform yourself about the raw materials used for making the fabrics on Interloom. So like you get information about the negative and positive aspects of, for example, organic cotton or algae. So this is more yeah, like to inform uh, our users. Um, so when it comes to uh, the sourcing challenges, and uh, I would like to briefly go through them and also to show them how Interloom is kind of responding to that. Um, fabrics are mainly only visible at fairs, which are happening seasonal for a few days, so you have to travel there, you have to spend time and money by doing that. Um, however, Interloom is an online tool, so you can see the fabrics with very good, high-quality pictures online, and you can see if these fabrics are meeting your purpose or not. So you're not necessarily need to go to the fairs. Um, I think that's the biggest advantage of Interloom. Um, secondly, customers, or our, what we experience also is customers sometimes don't really know which fabrics are sustainable and what is my sustainable criteria uh, anyway. So what we did is we defined out for us a sustainable criteria catalog, which you can see online, and then you can see if this complies to your values of your, of your brand. Um, so this should help you to, to define also your sustainable criteria. Um, third, um, when you want, maybe you, you all experienced that when you went to uh, a fabric fair such as Munich Fabric Saar, they had like huge exhibition with many fabrics. So even once you find the sustainable fabrics between all these conventional fabrics, how do you know that these uh, businesses you want to work with are reliable and trustworthy? So this is also what I think is the advantage of Interloom. We pick and choose the companies we want to uh, show. And so you, have a, you, you know that you're working with uh, companies who are trustworthy because we work with them for now several years and we kind of recommend them. And that's why we also want to support them on Interloom. Um, yeah, minimum order quantities are often quite high. Um, we, on Interloom, we show many... Um, uh, manufacturers and suppliers that offer low quantities also from one meter on which is then maybe necessary for on-demand production so um, we know the market and we know that everyone is, don't uh, produce 1000 meter anymore so we push and, and support also small and local manufacturers. And um, yeah, and uh, to get in contact with manufacturers to receive prices and the conditions for the fabrics is also sometimes a challenge. So on Interloom, you see the prices per meter. Sometimes they are uh, from this price on. So maybe you have to get in contact with a customer, uh, with a supplier, but you already get an idea of the price, also the fabric width. So there are additional informations to the fabric, which also helps uh, by choosing the right manufacturer. So, yeah, for whom is Interloom? For Interloom is for companies who are searching uh, for uh, sustainable fabrics, but there, it's also for manufacturers who want to showcase their portfolio. Um, you can, as a manufacturer, can 
say if you want to be approached by a B2B user or a B2C user. So um, you can have an offer of one meter on, but maybe you have a minimum order quantity of 50 meters. So you can decide as a manufacturer which kind of type uh, customer you want to be approached. Um, for users, the website or the, the usage of Interloom is for free. And for our, from our manufacturers, we uh, charge a yearly subscription fee, which is quite low. So it's, it's very attractive for, for, for the fashion industry um, and for small brands and um, yeah, the, for the, the, uh, our Interloom product criteria catalog is uh, differentiated between each uh, raw material. So we have plant fibers, animal fibers, and for each we defined uh, um, this catalog. This helps, as I said, also the users, but also the manufacturers to see if their portfolio would fit to Interloom. So we have that online for several reasons. And um, our main goal for Interloom would be to um, build a product range um, that covers all essential fabric and trims which are needed to make sustainable clothing. So, of course, we started with fabric and knitted fab uh, with knitted fabrics and wovens, but also trims like elastic and cord. But we want to expand also to buttons and also to packaging. So, uh, I kindly invite you if you have nice, uh, if you have manufacturers or suppliers which you think could fit to Interloom, please let us know. I think we all can uh, um, benefit from, from sharing these kind of informations. And uh, here are some of the pioneering manufacturers we already have uh, on our webpage, such as House of You, Sunder, um, with their digital printing um, house. So, yeah, I really hope that we um, help sourcing for sustainable fabric and trims with this uh, platform. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marita. Um, that's, that's such a great work you do, and you're really part of the um, infrastructure for independent brands that want to work sustainably. Um, but when it comes to printing, for example, or um, embroidery, or um, any kind of technique that also adds value to the final textile product, um, there are also other tools and platforms that can help to support brands and designers um, and inspire brands and designers. And one perfect e example is Monster Patterns, and I'm... Uh, Warmly inviting you, Anna, to briefly introduce what you do. Okay. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Anna Nistroy. I'm the founder of Monster Patterns. Uh, this is a pattern studio. And when it comes to the word patterns, I realize it's very bad for CEO because it's been used by different industries. But when I speak of patterns, I mean repeated imagery, which is a result of mass production, industrialization, but also a universal law in which I find a lot of beauty. Um, so I do images, <laughs> repeated images, and I work for different clients And I started Monster Patterns in 2017 as a digital marketplace um, and uh, artist representative for pattern design, um, which means I provided downloadable files in repeat, layered, which will then result in a full pattern, 
Um, and yes, so <laughs> when you sell a design online, it's important to have it watermarked and show some mock-ups of it and um, have license models and prices to it. Um, this is a screenshot. <laughs> and I had this running um, for one and a half years until I realized, well, I'm building a real monster. It's uh, quite tough to build a platform like this on my own. Um, so it's a digital marketplace. I had a lot of... Uh, yeah, topics to deal with when it comes to international law, taxes, and all this stuff that came up with this. Uh, <laughs> what happens when you go online and sell online globally? So I um, decided to go back to the basic and um, design on demand only, which is yeah, design, licensing, and fulfillment, where it's very important for me to know where can I fabricate in, yeah, in small scale, because I prefer to be local and to work for small scale customers. Um, this is a recent example, which is not in textiles, but... Some people find old wallpaper <laughs> in their house and um, I was doing a reproduction and this was digitally printed thanks to Spoonflower.de. Um, the original was a wood uh, uh, print, but I couldn't uh, reproduce that, not in Germany, because no one would be able to pay for that. <laughs> so digital printing was the solution here. And this is a um, uh, reproduction of a print, which will then be transformed into a jacquard, which I did. And this is some old stuff, just to see that, yeah, it's uh, patterns are for fashion. Here it's for print, I like publishing, for interior. Uh, and this was even for packaging. Um, yeah, and my wish as a pattern design studio is to create not for mass market or trend-driven companies, but for beauty. And I would really love to yeah, have clients on my side that yeah, are, are constant uh, inspiration for collections that stay and not go after two weeks. Yeah, so here's a... Small selection because, yeah, I work very much handcrafted. And yes, I keep it slow. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anna. And that perfectly links us to what House of You does because once you sourced your fabric, second, you set up your pattern with this beautiful, easy uh, tool, then you also have to find someone who actually prints and organizes your logistics. And here comes Sander, uh, who provides the fitting service. Yeah, that's it. Okay, thank you, Marta, for having us, first of all. Um, very nice to be in this panel today. Um, I would like to tell you something about uh, House of You. My name is uh, Sander Lossi. I'm a director of House of You, and we are a printing house for fashion. Um, this is our team. We are from the Netherlands, so we have a digital textile printing house based in the south of Holland. Um, we are 18 uh, people crazy about print and about uh, textiles, 
And um, actually, our company stands for uh, three major uh, things. First of all, it's, it's about uh, unlimited creativity um, that drives all of us. And second, uh, we believe in sustainable beauty and we believe in, in a sustainable future as well. Um, and the third is quality above quantity. So um, basically what we do uh, and who we are. Um, house of You is a digital textile printing house and we provide a fabric printing service for exclusive and sustainable fashion fabrics. Um, with this, we, uh, we stand for <coughs> high quality of print fabrics, um, the color fastness, the light fastness, the rub fastness, intensity of color. These are very uh, special criteria for us. So the people we have in our company are already like for more than 30 years in total uh, uh, with expertise in the printing industry. Uh, started with screen printing and migrated to digital textile printing. Uh, so quality is very, very important for us. Um, we have no minimum order quantity and that's basically the most interesting thing because uh, I believe that we can enable a market which, which did not have access before to printed textiles, uh, especially in the screen print time because the minimum order quantities are always so high. Um, with digital textile printing, the world is changing. Um, to give you just a little bit of an overview of the market, right now 5% of the total global market is only digital. So there is still a lot of uh, uh, market to gain and uh, we are front runners in this part and um, with enabling people to be able to print from half a meter up to 500 meters on a wide range of fabrics, that's what we, what we do. Then the lead time, it's only eight working days in the, in the sources lead time. So um, then we offer a very wide portfolio, so it's not only one specific fabric. Um, we offer you uh, 99 exclusive fabrics. Um, we developed a long time uh, for more than 15 years on getting that portfolio uh, suitable for uh, fashion uh, uh, fabrics. Um, to have a nice collection, we have sustainable fabrics, we have bio-cottons, we have linen. We are working now to extend our range of recycled polyesters, polyamide, wool and silk. So the complete range is available. Um, then on top we offer an online uh, platform and a webshop. So basically the customers can go uh, online, go to the webshop and you can upload your own design. Um, and you can order the fabric of choice and uh, you can immediately order it and the fastest lead time is eight working days. So besides printing on fabric, we are also now starting to have uh, products on demand. So that means to, that you can personalize and make your own scarf collection, for example. So we do the scarves including the hemming. So we have a special service for that and also pillows. So uh, just to give you a small overview of uh, our production facility. So this is the studio, that's where it all starts. So once the digital image comes in, it will be automatically going to the studio. Then it will go to the digital printing department. Then it will go to the steaming area then it will go to the washing area, and then we go to the finishing, and the last step is quality department before we ship your goods. Um, this is just an example of our latest work. So as you can see, we work with uh, small, medium, but also upper brands in the, in the silk segment, for example. Um, and our uh, prints are being used for uh, mostly fashion, but also interior products. Um, so this is a little bit the range of uh, of products. Um, a little bit about market trends, uh, things I just want to share with you and things that we see as a digital textile printing service provider. 
is that the market is changing, and the market is changing very rapidly. Um, and this also see, uh, shows that from, from a push model, we see that uh, there is a change going into a pool model. And uh, the market trends are uh, uh, defining that. Um, and also we are transforming from an analog uh, uh, era to, to a digital era. And uh, consumers even start to buy online. So if you ask yourself, maybe, I don't know, who is buying clothes online? Uh, can you raise your hands? Uh, just a few. Almost half now, maybe. Um, so 74% of European consumer purchase is also being uh, influenced by social media. So Instagram is getting more and more important. We see a lot of uh, new fashion brands that are showing their collections constantly on Instagram. Uh, so these are trends that we see. And we also see that customers want their products more faster, so they even pay more to get the products faster. And they want the products to be unique. They need to be personal. So um, mass customization, uh, uh, to our opinion, is the answer. So it combines the flexibility of personalization and custom-made products uh, with the low, low, low unit costs. Um, so to our opinion, what we see, we see a few disruptors in the industry that are really uh, the basic pillars for us to define our future strategy. And first of all is personalization. Uh, we want to be unique, we want to personalize our products. Um, if you look at uh, the bigger players, you see that they are also starting to personalize, like shoes, for example, my son of 10 years old, he is uh, he's going to his laptop and he's trying to customize his, uh, his Nikes. In the end, they are even more, 30 euros more expensive, so we didn't buy them, but he's, he's customizing it online. And uh, so personalization is definitely something that we see is getting more and more important. Sustainability, um, we see this fair today and it's, it's uh, in, to my opinion, it's a really good vibe and the people are open to talk and the people are willing to change. Um, so it feels, feels like a community that is getting bigger and bigger. Um, and the last one is e-commerce. So the e-commerce is definitely changing the world. We see fashion brands that starts uh, uh, selling on, on, online and uh, uh, not necessarily through uh, the traditional uh, stores. Um, so these are the industry disruptors that also define our uh, future strategy as a digital textile printing house. Um, so what we see, it's, uh, it's a shift. It's a shift from uh, supply and demand to demand and supply, to our opinion, and that is basically creating this production revolution. Um, and therefore it's also important that we will have uh, digital textile printing locally, again, smaller volumes, uh, uh, local producers, uh, to supply faster. Um, this is what we see from, uh, from our side. So <clears throat> just to uh, visualize that, uh, I don't know if you remember this phone or who's still called uh, with this phone, but um, to our uh, opinion, this is the old, uh, the old, old style and uh, it's the push model where you design, then you make and then you sell with the risk of a lot of overstock and uh, sometimes you read the, the, the very sad messages of people that are burning fabrics because they couldn't sell them. Um, we believe in a different model and uh, we want to support that model. And it's, uh, it's, it's an interacti interactive dialogue with the customers. And uh, first you design, then you sell, and then you produce. And that's, that's what it's about, on-demand production. Thank you. Thank you, Sander. That was a great kickoff of uh, our discussion now. And um, I would 
love to open the discussion uh, right away um, and involve you as uh, the audience. It's not us being uh, the experts, it's also you might, uh, you might have questions, you might have inputs. So don't hesitate to raise your hand and I will uh, fly over the mic to you, okay? Um, that was already very insightful, and, uh, but um, to be realistic, Uh, the fashion industry with its 2.4 trillion dollars uh, um, value um, per year is not only one of the largest consumer products industry, it's also the, one of the most toxic and most uh, inefficient ones, as you mentioned. Um, so there's a clear need for uh, production on demand and for customization, I think. Um, That fact is uh, something we, we might all agree about. But uh, obviously there is uh, less than 2% of all uh, sold clothes uh, called sustainable, so there's obviously room for improvement. So what, would you, what do you think what would, trigger, um, um, what would trigger the transformation of that industry? Is it more the customer demand or is it the technology that is available? Probably you can start. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's from both sides, uh, Marta, because uh, uh, from from the, the the customer demand, the customer is 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 trying to get a product fast, and it should be personalized. Um, digital printing, uh, uh, in our uh, opinion, uh, provides that possibility. Um, if you compare it to screen printing, uh, uh, the minimum order quantities for screen printing. Uh, used to be like 1,000 meter per design per colorway. Um, so nobody, let's say, in, in a starting uh, mode would have access to these kind of factories. Um, digital printing is making it possible to go to smaller volumes. So on that side, uh, I see that technology is changing and providing that, that on-demand uh, model. From the other side, uh, uh, the customer or the consumer is also Uh, trying to personalize that, so it's, it's, it's coming from both sides, actually. Do you agree? Um, yeah, I would say um, it's correct that uh, that comes from both sides, but I would say that also the industry is interested in not having overstock and not overproducing, because it's also then if 30% of the garments you produce are then waste, it's also um, fabric and the making which you have to pay. So also I would say the industry or the brands are interested in only producing what they can sell. So at the moment they had to make a guess what they will sell, This is uh, the model uh, Sunday explained, but um, I think also the industry is interested in only producing what they can sell. So the idea of having uh, a demand and then producing is 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 also of interest uh, from them. So I would say there are several uh, stakeholders who push this on-demand uh, idea further, and technology of course helps, but also to uh, get the idea of what, of what does the customer want. I mean, the internet makes it possible to understand better what does the user want by, for example, uploads um, uh, or by um, upload tools where, you, where the customer can customize and then you understand what they want and then you can produce. This was before the internet was not possible. So, of course, technology opens that up. Um, I would say 
as well, we are in a moment in history where artificial intelligence is really shaping our needs and that uh, especially customer demand is created by this and I don't know if the desire of an individual is so individual that it creates that we really need to be so specific in product development when everybody wants to buy the same anyway. So um, that's the big question now. <laughs> Who are we designing for? Yeah. Machines. Yeah, totally agree. Um, yes, please. Uh, hello. Um, I've talked with someone from H&M, uh, I think two months ago, and they started this SizeMe project, which um, um, on-demand production of um, shirts, right? And I think um, the customer have to wait two weeks. And I think it's a good idea to wait for something because you're like then maybe fall more in love with it. But you think the customers are already, um, uh, yeah, bereit <laughs> to wait for such a long time. So because you say it faster. Good question. Probably, Sander, uh, you can respond to that. What is, how important is um, speed, time, and also probably price for your business? Yeah, I think it's getting, um, I'll take this off, getting more and more important. Um, uh, the, the trend that we see in the big players is uh, definitely it's fast fashion. I mean, if you see that... Uh, uh, the From, from design to uh, introducing a collection with screen printing a couple of years ago, it could, uh, it could take six months. And uh, the fastest players in the market are now uh, doing it in six weeks or even less. Um, but, it's, but it's all about uh, technology. It's about uh, also artificial intelligence, what you say. Like if you look at the companies like Zara, it's, uh, uh, it's more about how to move my stock, uh, uh, which is not selling in France to uh, Spain tomorrow because uh, there we have demand for the red dress. So it's, it's not just about uh, uh, producing a quantity and trying to sell it. It's also about logistics. It's also about data that you have to process. And, and in our uh, factory, I think we, we, we work mainly with the, the, the smaller brands and uh, uh, the smaller players. So we are not focused on the bigger uh, uh, retailers. But, um, but it's interesting to see that... Um, that it's also start to happening there and that they're also working on, on changing the industry and to, to work on the on-demand process in general. So, yeah, so it's a shift that is happening, which, is, which I believe is good. And if the customer is, is, is right, as you say, to, to wait, it's perfect. Thank you. Um, I have a question for Good Garment Collective. Um, with regard to your suppliers, are they namely um, European-based or are they um, globe-wide? Um, I ask because I'm from Australia and were I to go there and move back home, um, I'm just wondering if I was then sourcing materials, fabrics, textiles using um, program. And were the fabrics then coming from Europe, for example? Obviously, that would factor into, like, the shipping and the time. Um, and, yeah, and so I was just wondering maybe whether the productions are based in Asia at all, because obviously that's geographically more relevant. So um, the, we... Uh 
I would say 99% of our uh, production in regards to fabrics, but also production cut make trim, is in Europe. Um, our sewing uh, factories are in Germany, Poland, Portugal and Lithuania. So we have like 10 manufacturers we are working with in regards to cut make trim. So sewing uh, houses, um, but there are also, of course, fabrics, for example, cotton, uh, mostly comes from India or from, from, uh, from Turkey, but then the spinning or weaving companies are in Europe. So we have a lot of fabric also from Germany. There are some spinners here as well, but uh, for Jersey, it's often also Greece or Portugal. So... We, we, most of our fabrics come from 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 Europe, and uh, but uh, in regards to the supply chain, we always look at the brand and the products they make. Because I wouldn't say you can use every um, uh, every manufacturer for every client. You have to see how what is the volume, the production volume, and uh, then we, if it's small production volume, we produce it close in in Germany or um, uh, Poland. It's just one hour. Uh, from here, from Berlin. Um, so we, we try to build a supply chain which makes sense. So this is even more important than, I mean, with Asia, it's, we don't have any manufacturers in, in Asia um, because also the production volume wouldn't fit from our clients to, to this huge supply chain. So it has to be, everything has to be neat and, cl and close also to be able to scale up and to... Um, yeah, and also to save time between each manufacturers in regards to shipping and so yeah, it's it's more a question of what makes sense, which suppliers make sense. And obviously, probably when you're located in Australia, then local production is close to where you are. Yeah. Doesn't mean it doesn't have to be European. Oh, I'm not going home anytime soon, so I'm you know this isn't relevant yet, but. Um, It's more that, like, say, places in Australia, for example, the production's incredibly expensive, and so a lot of brands go offshore to places like Asia and India. Um, but, yeah, no, it's good to know that then I guess the it's all tailored to make, be accessible for the brand and relevant to where they are geographically. Yeah. Thank you. There was another question. Um, I would like to know... Um, Where do you see potential for on-demand production or on-demand product development um, for people that fall out of the standard norms? Yeah. Like, is, yeah. for example, people with a disability. Yeah. Um, I would say on-demand production itself, it's, uh, it, there is a demand and then you produce. I think it doesn't matter if you're disabled or not because you tailor to the needs of the customers. And then I would say it doesn't matter what the requirements Then ah, you look at the the, the or the. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's a brand which makes, for example, clothing for disabled people, and then uh, you produce if there is an order. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't see disabled people as a special target group. I would say if you do something on demand and customized, then it's for the each person and each needs. So that's why I wouldn't differentiate there. Probably it's uh, just now possible to produce for also niche target groups because you're not limited to any volume anymore. Exactly. You had a question? Was it you? <laughs> I would like to put another point on what um, Natalia said behind me 
because uh, we are doing clothes for people with dwarfism. And we are following, of course, all those on-demand production tools, all the new way, and we see also the potential in that with what we are doing. But what we also see and is with the new technologies, let's say the 3D print body scanner, but also all those other on-demand production, the programs are not Mm, in a way that they are understanding differently abled people. I think this was the question, of course, on demand production is, as you said, um, for every uh, body proportion. But in that way, we are still in this technology in a bubble because a lot of companies and brands are saying, oh, sorry, we can't produce that. We have this on demand production. But for you... Since you have a different target group and since we don't have the experience about that, we can't help you. So we are going in the direction that we want to work more and more with companies who are focusing on the on-demand production in a way that we don't stay in the mainstream bubble and we focus more and more also on those differently able people. And the question more is, do you see their potential or do you see, or do you think that um, the on-demand um, in general is so a new phase that it's anyway complicated and with differently persons it's even more complicated. I think that's more the question, right? I talk now a lot, I'm sorry, but to just make the point more clear. No, uh, thanks for that. I think that relates probably also a bit to making it easy and accessible for everyone. Yeah, I, I would like to say something to this. Because the easiest way for such a person would actually be to go to a tailor and let it be done. Because it would be the best for every person, actually. It's my opinion. But we are in a country where it's not possible because no one could afford to go to a custom-made uh, tailor. But um, who knows what's happening? I mean, as soon as... Um, the um, workforce is uh, getting more and more expensive in countries like of, in Asian countries, then it could be the same. It, it could get better, let's say, <laughs> in the future. But what is important for, for us, I would say, um, or for the tailor, is to have these uh, resources, to have the fabrics, to have the special designs, to go to a, to a retailer who's selling... Um, fabrics or designs that are trendy or that, yeah, trendy is such a bad word, but stuff that people would really would like to wear and which suits them and which, which makes them feel good. That's, that's, of course, always possible. I mean, there had been a uh, um, decrease of uh, manufacturing infrastructure in Europe in the past two decades of 80%. So 80 of 100 manufacturers closed down in the past years. So there's just not as many infrastructure left. Um, but also, we are not only talking about uh, producing a single product on demand, we are also talking about bringing more flexibility into production. That means you are able to produce from one piece up to several hundred pieces. I mean, all of you are also, you're also capable of producing high, higher volumes. So actually, as a brand, you can start very small 
and then you have a partner that helps you to scale. So otherwise you would have someone who could produce a single piece and then next season, hopefully you're uh, sold successfully, you have to find another partner in the season after as well. But um, so obviously uh, after um, offshoring of production since three decades as mentioned to uh, low living wage countries where uh, workman force is crazy cheap still um, we obviously we still have a majority of production batches run by high volume and long distance um, relationships um, probably you can tell us a bit from your own daily practice what are the challenges why is what makes on-demand production different from standard high volume production Sander, probably, you have a good experience. Uh, in that. I can add, uh, elaborate on a few things. Um, first of all, it's the efficiency in the workflow. I mean, uh, uh, if I look at our own uh, printing house, uh, we provide uh, 99 different fabrics. And uh, we see bulk production houses that uh, have only two or three fabrics and they're running uh, uh, massive volumes. Uh, and that's based on, let's say, a cost leadership model. So they are very efficient and they can have low cost. So this is... Uh, when you do small production uh, and you need to uh, uh, find the best ways to, to get efficiency, uh, you will be higher in cost. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the challenge, I think, is how can, you, how can you scale it up? Because I could understand that it's a, a, a little bit more expensive to buy one piece, but we try to uh, grow with the customer and uh, as along the way they grow, uh, the price will, will improve. And uh, the challenge we have is to become competitive in a way uh, once the customer uh, uh, grows with us. Mm -hmm. But efficiency is uh, uh, one of the main things, I believe, that uh, for on-demand is, uh, is, is a big challenge. Okay, thank you. Or what are your current challenges, Marita? Um, I think um, the con in, in the whole on-demand supply chain, I would say the confectionists are the most critical part because they um, are used to do batch production. So they have they all their layers of fabrics and they cut them. And so they have one cut and already have, I don't know, 100 pieces cut it. So, um, and they are, in the last 20 years, they discovered, you know, what you said, a, a huge up and down in their uh, business because they had maybe higher volumes, then everyone went offshore to Asia, then they had to quit 80% of their uh, employees. And um, so they, they go up and down and up and down. And now we come with on-demand production, one piece. So, you know, they're really, they, if you come with this topic, they are like, no. <laughs> because they, you know, they had such a difficult time in the last 20 years. And um, to get someone on board for such a project, on-demand project is super difficult. Even they understand the sustainability and the idea of that, and they know they have to change, but you know they had to change the last few years. It's really difficult for them. And so it's difficult to find someone who can do that. And then on demand means from one, but maybe also 500. You don't know because it's on demand. You don't know if this T-shirt now uh, from this YouTube uh, influencer hits a nerve and then you have what, 500 pieces. And so how will they plan? So 
supply chain in fashion is super complicated and I would say the confectionist is the one who struggles the most because they have to wait for the fabric, for the trims and then they can start and if they cannot plan that, they have 50 to 100 people sitting there doing what? So actually what I learned from you now is um, talking about sustainability, of course on-demand production will cut a lot of waste as we know, 45 um, fashion causes 45% of pre-consumer waste, which is, of course, also what we pay for. But actually, it causes, it puts pressure on the manufacturers because they have to be available all the time, but there's no, there, uh, no production planable. Um, so how, how can we solve that? I mean, we are causing a big, a bit, uh, a big uh, ethical, social and moral issue here. Um, I think on-demand production needs somehow also some automized um, processes. And I think uh, if you enable, we saw at the microfactoring this uh, cutting one layer and then pointing out which uh, cutted panel belongs to which front and back and sleeve. And so I think there's technology which can help solving these efficiency problems in, on an on-demand supply chain. But you have to have to... As, so I think technology could be the answer. And technology in regards to that they automize things which you have to do by hand, which then would be inefficient. So, um, and there are solutions which are coming. Every time when I come to these fairs, I see someone else uh, showing some, uh, showing an, 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 a process which could help. Does it also demand. apply to the, to the price? I mean, that is definitely, <laughs> there's definitely a discussion that uh, each of us has every day. Everyone would love to um, enter sustainable practices, but it ends at your budget. So is uh, automation uh, that, that gives uh, puts more efficiency into the process, does it also reduce the price or will it reduce the price? Um, when it comes to automation, I think everyone who is planning and creating an automated infrastructure is somehow interested in increasing uh, income and <laughs> what do I want to say? Yeah, well, when, because I'm a designer and I design for, for bulk production but my process or my service is um, um, very low cost when it comes to the income that companies have with my design because basically when, when there is a fashion house or let's say just a fabric um, publisher uh, they buy a design and pay $300, $400 for it and they can produce as much as they want so they can basically scale their income, whereas the designer is always on the lowest edge. And uh, so everything that's scalable is in a way, <laughs> yeah, well. So, but the, yeah. the promise of automization and digitization is making things easy and accessible, yeah. right? So remembering five years back, if you would, uh, if you would like to do repetitive pattern, you would have to buy a license of a super expensive uh, software, and then you would need a couple of months to be able to to use that. So, um, 
repeti repetitive patterns. Uh, pattern making wasn't uh, wasn't accessible to you. Same with digital printing. I remember when digital printing um, ramped up. It was crazy expensive, and the quality was very poor. And you had only uh, synthetic fibers available. That changed. So that's true. You have actually the promise also is that everyone can be a designer, everyone can be a creator. Uh, my aunt could actually run a fashion brand today. So, what is what's left for the for the fashion designers out there, all the young people? I don't know who of you is a designer actually. Can you raise your hand? Okay, quite some. Uh, so they are also fearful that they would lose, that they would be replaced by machines. What would you answer them? Yeah, I think the, the designer uh, in the beginning is, uh, is the creative factor of everything. So I, I don't believe that the designer would be replaced so soon. Um, if I look at sewing, for example, of sewing, um, I was at a conference a few weeks ago and they showed a picture of uh, 1939 and there was a sewing machine and they showed a picture of 2019 and there was a sewing machine. So mm -hmm. in the end, it's, it's that, that labor didn't change. What changed in the fashion industry is that uh, that labor has moved to the lowest uh, uh, and cheapest country. And, um, and this is also the challenge that we have, also with on-demand production, because in the end, if we can, we can, uh, we can see a cost decrease by, uh, in the printing, in the digital printing, we see a, low, a cost decrease in the inks, we see a, a cost efficiency uh, in the process, and we see uh, a speed increase in the printing itself. But in the sewing part, I mean, if you look at the labor cost for sewing a garment in Holland or sewing it in, uh, in Myanmar, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, this is not correct. And uh, th this also should change on one hand, in my opinion, and the other side is, is the business model. Because if you can create something on demand, the question is, how are you going to sell it? Are you going to sell it to a retailer in, in a physical store? Or are you going to maybe set up your own online store? Are you going to pop-up stores? Or are you going to go into a different business model where you uh, uh, cut out uh, maybe, maybe, maybe some, some parts in the value chain? Mm -hmm. Or cutting out the middleman. So, Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, there is another, um, another perspective that I find interesting uh, when it comes to production on demand and customization, personalization. That is um, the uh, relationship between the consumer and the producer and also the role that retail plays in that. So the promises, and probably you experienced this, the same or observed the same, that more and more manufacturers having their own lines. Uh, they are cutting out uh, retail, of course, uh, pushed by e-commerce. Uh, and of course, the margins are higher when they are not um, related to retail. But um, on the other hand, you have uh, brick-and-mortar shops that offer in-store manufacturing. I don't know who might have seen the um, Adidas Speed Factory in Bikini a couple of years ago already. So, um, how do you? Um, is there? What do you think would change? In, in, would there be a new role for retail in there? Yeah, from my opinion, I see that the retail is changing a big time. I'm from a small village, but if I go to my own village, maybe 50% of the stores and the clothing stores, they're gone. And, and they're empty, and, uh, and it's a sad view. And if you look at the fashion, like the brands that are not moving to the online uh, business, 
uh, a lot of them uh, died lately and, uh, and it's still continuing. So I think online is changing, changing the industry. Um, and if you're not, you're not going to compete in that game uh, on, on the long run, you, you might be out. What, what it's about, like with the bigger players that have bigger, uh, let's say, reserves also, and that, that spot those trends. I mean, it's, we, what we see is like it's more about uh, the experience in the store and it's more about uh, um, coming into a store and being, be, living that experience, seeing, for example, on a screen what you could wear or seeing a production uh, uh, like, like, like 3D knitting, for example, what we have seen also with Adidas, shoes that are being knitted on the spot, T-shirts that are being printed on the spot and you can take it within an hour. Mm-hmm. So... What, what I see is that it will, be, will become more important that what, what experience people have in those stores and maybe they will order it online afterwards at home or they place the order there and they will have it shipped within a week, something like that. So it would all, um, it will merge kind of. Yeah. There will be no difference between, or there will be overlaps between on and offline. Um, yeah, I, I think retailers these days should uh, be more like a pop-up store where you can try things. You try and try things on. And I think so nowadays the customer pays somehow the, uh, the retailer by the margin. But actually the brands should pay the retailers by sh- giving them a showcase of their products. Because you can reduce also your return rate from, for example, a shoe Uh, company, if you have a shop, a pop-up shop in a in a, st- in a in a city where you can try on a shoe and you know which size fits and which style you like, and then you buy it later online. So the shop itself is only a showcase of the of the of the garments, and you can try it on. And and so I think, so, oh, I mean, this is some, this is my view. I think they should act not as a selling point anymore, but as a showcase point. So, uh, hi, I have a, another question or another topic. So, we're talking a lot about of, um, yeah, special products maybe made for one person. But what's happening in the end when the person has used the product, when we, when we come to recycling? I think you, you act maybe uh, like a change maker for designing on demand, but can you also act as a change maker for designing for recycling? So, yeah. yeah. Um, um, there's this... Uh, You said that uh, Marta take, make, and waste, right? Yeah. But it could. Ha- I, I thought it could uh, ha- say it could be take, make, return. So that uh, ev- I think everyone who's producing things should ta- also be responsible for taking it back. I think this should be by, by law that people who bring in products they also have to responsibility to take it back and to find a solution where to recycle it. Or to uh, find another, um, or, I mean, all this refurbishment, uh, refurbishment or um, uh, there are a lot of brands who take garments back and repair them and then send them back to the, to the I think this is a complete new business model uh, or an add-on to a business model, which I think f- uh, fashion brands should really consider as also creating a relationship to their customers. I think it's a really good point. I think it's, it should not be... Uh, um, Yeah, take, make, return. Uh, take, make, waste, but return. <laughs> Thanks for the question. Good question. Um, also, since we have a couple of entrepreneurs here that um, develop and provide services to both um, manufacturers, um, suppliers, and designers, so dear audience, is there if you would uh, if you would 
uh, if you could post a wish, what would it be? What uh, what do you need from uh, those entrepreneurs? What kind of tools would you need um, to to manage your work and also to grow in the future? Is there anything? Probably they would take it home, consider it, roll it out. So you're doing wonderfully well. <laughs> Great. See you all exhibiting next year at Neonit. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, bring this discussion to the end. Um, is, there, is there anything um, you, would, um, you would like to wish for the future? What is, what is next? Can you give us a bit of a forecast? Um, that's difficult. When you say what, what, what I wish, I think um, this exchange of knowledge between our uh, businesses is super important. So I think uh, uh, entrepreneurs under each other, but also companies, every time when I talk to Zander, it's like, you know, a new inspiration because, you know, we all face different, we have different struggles and we have solutions to that and Uh, I think it's super important to talk and to exchange and you know Interloom is, is also just an invitation to exchange uh, also knowledge and, uh, and to push brands which are really great in the market and um, yeah so if I would have a wish I would say support your local heroes and yeah, yeah. thank you um, I would also like to add something to the whole question of demand because what is the demand and is there really a demand? Actually, I don't really think so because we have enough and um, I wish for ourselves um, kind of wake up, up moment when it comes to consumerism and media because the media is basically that's, basically that's what's driving us to wish for something, want something, want more, want different, want something new and so often. And um, yeah, let's, we, I think the whole, the, the digital tool is Instagram of all. And um, I hope that at some point we will come back to the production of nice fabrics and printing shops in Germany or Europe. And long-living products yeah. that I use yeah. multiple times True. and returned and circulated yeah. endlessly. What about you, Sander? Um, yeah, well, first of all, I, I agree with, with Marita. I think it's, um, it's so important to, to go uh, out of your, your comfort zone and, and, and to try to understand the chain and what is happening and, and how can we work together to, first of all, make this on-demand uh, uh, possible. Uh, because on-demand will eventually also uh, uh, help to become more sustainable and, and to not have all these extra uh, uh, excess of, 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 of fashion that is, that is going nowhere or even being burned. So it's, it, I believe in on-demand and uh, in order to understand on-demand and to make it work, you need expertise from different sides, from the garment making, from the printing, from, from the sewing, uh, everything. Um, From our side, we would like to enable more people uh, to, to tap into our platform and to, to have their own creativity uh, and express it on, on sustainable fabrics. And we want to even uh, uh, expand on that uh, uh, fabric uh, uh, database of sustainable fabrics. So recycled polyester, uh, GOTS cottons, uh, 
Um, and eventually also I, I like the question from this lady about the recycling thing because then you talk more about cradle to cradle in the end, like how can it come back and be used again? Um, and, and, and yeah, we, we, we're working on the backside, on the supply chain already from, from us, but in the end it should be a cradle to cradle concept, I agree. And it's, but you need, uh, again, you need to work together because it's, it's, it's not only our responsibility, it's, it's all of us that have to work in that. Uh, so. That's a nice uh, and motivating, optimist final statement. Thank you. If there are no more questions from the audience, I would like to thank you very much for being with us. Uh, the panelists will be around um, for a couple of more minutes. So if you have, if you need contacts, links, to have direct questions, be warmly invited to contact them directly. Thank you very much. Thank you.